Happy Easter, everyone. Sounds strange saying that to an empty room, but this is a different kind of year. In fact, uh, some people have been asking, is this really a good time to celebrate Easter at all? I mean, we are not able to travel. Families aren't able to get together for Easter dinners or big Easter egg um, hunting parties. Uh, there's nothing like that going on. In fact, uh, half a million Americans have contracted the coronavirus, and every day, almost 2,000 Americans die. And so is this a good time to be celebrating Easter? Well, the answer to that question is yes, because Easter is a story of Jesus' victory over death itself. Easter is a story of hope. And today, I am so glad that we're together, because God wants to give us a lot of hope from His Word. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, we thank you for Easter Sunday when we can remind ourselves in the midst of any situation that you are mightier than any problem we'll ever face. You have conquered death itself. So today, Lord, I pray that you will give us hope, hope from your word, hope on this Easter. And Father, I pray that you will bless our time together. Move me out of the way and say whatever you once said to us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, there's a story at the end of Luke's gospel that gives us an unbelievable amount of hope in a difficult situation. It seems that two of Jesus' followers had been in Jerusalem uh, during the Passover, and they were walking home. This is how the story begins. On that first Easter, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and as they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came up and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him, and he asked them, What are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short with sadness written all across their faces, and then one of them, Cleopas, said, You must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there in the last few days. What things? Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. And then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and They'd seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Well, some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. And I want to stop there because there was a hesitancy. Though the body was gone, they didn't really believe the story. And you can get from this whole first paragraph here that these guys had lost all hope. We had hoped that Jesus was the Messiah who'd come to rescue Israel, but now that he died, it's all over. And they didn't realize that the very Jesus they were talking about was standing right in front of them. Now, a couple of things that are important to point out here are these. When we focus on our problems, it's easy to lose hope. It's easy to lose hope. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. That's Proverbs 13, 12. And Psalm 143.4 says, I'm losing all hope. I am paralyzed with fear. When I lose hope, I lose courage, and I become terrified of almost anything. 
there are so many things today. If we focus on all of our problems, many th- so many things to get us down. I mean, if you're a senior in high school, you're probably not going to have a prom. If you're a, a senior at high school or college, you don't have a senior season of playing baseball or soccer. Vacations have been canceled. Weddings have been postponed. I mean, some places you can't even find toilet paper. There's a whole lot of reasons to get down and discouraged. And if we focus on all our problems, that's what's going to happen. And that's what these guys were doing. They weren't focusing on what Jesus had, who Jesus had claimed to be or what his plan had been. They just focused on what they saw, and, they were, and it was terrible. That's why there's a life application for you and me right away here on this Easter Sunday morning. We need to put our hope in God, not our circumstances, not in other people who will let us down, not in the stock market, not in anything else. We need to put our hope in God. Psalm 43, 5 says, Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I'll put my hope in God. I'll praise Him again, my Savior and my God. When I put my hope in God, well, all kinds of things can change. Because God is almighty and God is all-knowing and God is everywhere and God will never leave me or forsake me. God forgives all my sins God sets me on the right path, and he'll work out the best plan for my life. Now, if I focus on that, I have hope. I focus on no toilet paper, yeah, no hope. Now, I want to point out one other thing real quickly. It's important to note that Jesus kept his identity hidden from these two followers because he wanted them to discover where they placed their hope. There's an interesting Uh, Proverb, Proverbs 20, verse 5, that says, The purposes of a man's heart are deep waters, but a man of understanding draws them out. And Jesus was certainly a man of understanding. And sometimes when we're going through difficulties, sometimes when we're going through all kinds of confusing circumstances, we'll get in conversations with people, and as we're talking, our own words will begin to show where we place our hope. Not in the Lord, but in other things that Either we can't control or that eventually we'll fail us no matter what. And so this Sunday morning, this Easter Sunday morning, I want to remind us that Easter is a story of hope. And you're about to see the hope of these two men completely revitalized and rekindled. That brings us to the next point I'd like to make this morning. Jesus found his dejected followers and gave them hope. These two men were walking seven miles, and Jesus walked with them. I mean, let that sink in. These two men weren't hiking seven miles to have an audience with Jesus. They were walking home dejected, discouraged, because they'd given up on him. And Jesus found them. Over and over again, we find in the Bible that wonderful truth that God pursues us. And on this Easter Sunday, it's good to remind ourselves that these two men, even though they were discouraged, Jesus found them and gave them new hope. Here's how he went about it. He gave them hope from his word. He gave them hope from God's word. Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe that the 
all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures, wasn't it clearly predicted the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? And then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets explaining from the scriptures the things concerning himself. And suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment he disappeared. And they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? I mean, that is hope rekindled. When Jesus explained the scriptures to them, their hearts burned. There's a life application in that for you and me. God's word gives us hope. It always gives us hope in every circumstance. When things are going well, it reminds us to not get too caught up in our success. When things are going poorly, it reminds us that God can use even hard things for our good. God's word can give us encouragement and direction and purpose and hope every day. Psalm 119, 114 says, You are my refuge and my shield. Your word is my source of hope. Psalm 130, verse 5 says, I'm counting on the Lord. Yes, I'm counting on him. I put my hope in his word. And Jesus took his followers straight to God's word and he reminded them of what the word said and then all of a sudden they could regain their hope. He told them, do you not remember what Moses said? There would be a great prophet like me that will come from among God's people. Do you not remember what the prophet said like the prophet Isaiah? Here's a few verses from Isaiah 53. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him, and he looked the other way. He was despised, and we didn't care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray, We've left God's paths to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. That was written hundreds of years before Jesus was ever crucified. And Jesus showed those words to these men on the road, and their hearts burned. If you don't have a daily Bible reading plan yet, please get one. Uh, You can comment below if you'd like to know where. We'll be glad to direct you. Uh, you can contact us at centeringlives.com and we would love to help you get started on a Bible reading plan today because there are so many days that I've experienced this in my own life where I've gotten up in the morning and I'm discouraged. I've gotten up in the morning. I'm overwhelmed. I've gotten up in in the morning and my goodness, I've got a hard issue to settle. I'm not sure what to do. And God will give me wisdom and God will give me a reminder. Sometimes he will give me encouragement to go and other times he'll give me deep conviction that I need to repent and say I'm sorry. But God's word is living and active and when we come to his word every day, he'll give us hope. So Jesus gave these two men hope straight from God's word, and then he explained that he had to suffer and die in order to give us a right relationship with God. That was the whole idea of taking him through what Moses and the prophets said. I mean, the problem these two men had was is they had thought that the Messiah was going to deliver Israel in the way of being a political ruler or a mighty military 
captain of some kind. He'd overthrow Roman rule, and then the Jews could be politically independent. But Jesus didn't come to do that. He came to conquer sin and death and crush the power of the devil. I mean, something much more. I mean, earlier they said we'd hoped he was the Messiah who'd come to rescue Israel. Well, Jesus is the Messiah, and he came to rescue not only Israel, but the whole world. And that's what he was helping them see. When Paul reflected on this in Romans 5, 8, he said, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we, whilst we were still sinners. And since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we, we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. And Isaiah had it exactly right when he said, all of us like sheep have strayed away. We've left God's paths to follow our own, and yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Jesus died a brutal, horrible death on the cross because all the wrath of God that should have been poured out on me and you was poured out on him. And all of the righteousness that should have been due Christ has been given to me and to you. And now we can become friends of God, Paul says, and walk boldly into his presence. And all of a sudden, the two men on the road to Emmaus, it all clicked. It all made sense. Well, there's a life application for you and me. Now nothing can separate us from the love of God. I mean, it's a clear promise from God's word, and God's word is true. Paul says, I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither life nor death or angels or demons, neither our fears for today or worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that's revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's Romans 8, 38 and 39. This is such a hopeful passage. I mean, where are you going to find a more hopeful message than that? Because of what Jesus did, all who come to him are adopted into God's family. We're his children, and now nothing can separate us from his love. I mean, is this the right time to talk about it, oh, yeah, because we feel isolated and alone. And Jesus came into our world to make sure we don't have to stay that way. Because even when we're by ourselves in our own houses, the Lord is with us. He's always with us, and he'll never leave us or forsake us. This is such a message of hope because Easter means hope. Well, not only did Jesus find these followers and give them hope, but the hope he gave them was contagious. I mean, the hope of Easter is contagious. After Jesus disappeared within the hour, these two men were back on their way to Jerusalem. And they, there they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them, and they said, the Lord really is risen. He appeared to Peter. I mean, Jesus hadn't just appeared to them. He'd appeared to Peter. He'd appeared to the women at the tomb. And Jesus let all of them know that all the promises he had made them 
that he would die on the cross for their sins and he'd rise on the third day were true. Which also means that the other promises he made them, that if we come to him, he will help carry, he will take our burdens from us and he will give us a yoke that's easy to bear. He's preparing a place for us in heaven and soon he'll be coming to get us. That he's going to fill us with his Holy Spirit and give us power to become the people that he's always wanted us to be. All those promises are true too. And so Luke tells us in Luke 24 that these men hoofed it back as fast as they could to Jerusalem. And everybody was so excited to find out that Jesus really was alive and there was lots of confirmation. But the, the story of the Bible goes on past that. Luke tells us in his next book, the book of Acts, that not only uh, did the disciples celebrate, everywhere they went, they told people the good news of Jesus. Everywhere. In Colossians 1, Paul says the same good news that comes to you is that came to you is going out all over the world. It's bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. The life application I'd like to make for you and me today on that is this that I believe God is giving us an amazing opportunity to share the gospel right now, to share the hope of the gospel in our context. I don't know if you're aware of this, but Lifeway Christian Resources, uh, they sell all kinds of Christian literature and Bibles. They say they've seen an increase of 62% of Bible sales um, over the last week as compared with last year. Franklin Graham, Billy Graham's son, has recently started running one-minute ads on television. And the ads simply say, if you're afraid during this coronavirus, come to Jesus and call the prayer line here. He says, Thousands of people have been calling that prayer line. We live in a, in a culture right now that is desperately in need of hope. And that's why I believe God has given us this opportunity. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your heart set apart Christ as Lord, and always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. And in Romans 15, the Apostle Paul said, I pray that God, the source of all hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. My prayer for us is exactly that, that God's Holy Spirit would fill us to the point of overflowing and that we would pray every day that God will give us opportunities to overflow hope on people. Maybe somebody at a grocery store checkout line Maybe somebody when you're filling up your car with gas. Maybe a neighbor down the street hasn't talked to many, anybody in days, but you drop by and just say, how are you doing? I mean, we can do so many things just with a phone call. I mean, even if we're staying six feet apart, to still go find someone and say, hey, neighbor, how are you? Could make a world of difference. And people are longing for the hope that Jesus gives. So this morning, I'd like to pray for us. First of all, I'd like to pray for us, those of us who are believers, that God would indeed do that, that he would overflow our hearts, just like Paul said, that we'd be completely filled with joy and that we'd be ready every day to give a reason for the hope that we have. Because the Bible tells us Jesus paid for our sins in full. 
The Bible tells us that Jesus conquered the grave. And if he can conquer death, what other problem is too big for him to handle? So I want to pray for us. But secondly, I want to pray for those of us, some of you might have found this video on Facebook or on YouTube pretty much by accident. At least that's the way it seems to you. Well, I believe that God brought you here. And if you've been listening to this going, I'm terrified. I have so many things wrong in my life right now. I don't think I could ever be right with God. And you'd like to be right with God? I want to pray for you too. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for Easter Sunday because Easter means hope. I thank you that in this story, Jesus pursued two men who had just given up hope. They'd lost all their hope. And Lord, he set them back on the right track. And today, I pray, Lord, you've given us hope and you've reminded us of who you are. You are so strong that the grave could not hold you. You are so full of love that you took all of the shame and filth and hurt and blame that should have been on me, and you took all the wrath that was due me, that was due all of us, and you paid that debt in full, and we are grateful. And so, Lord, we look forward to heaven one day. Our hope is based on the empty tomb. We look forward to all the things that you're going to accomplish in our lives while we're still here. Our hope is based on the fact that every promise that Jesus made is true. And so, God, we ask that you would fill us with your spirit and that joy and hope would overflow from our lives. Give us opportunities every day to tell people about you. Now, Father, I also want to pray for somebody who's watching today who says, I need hope. I am covered up with guilt. I am covered up with fear. I don't have any direction in my life. I need hope. Would you pray with me now if that describes you? Lord, I want to know you. I want forgiveness for my sins. I want direction for my life. I want hope. I want Jesus to change me. And so I surrender my life to you. Please guide me. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus can save me. And I surrender to him. Oh, Father, I know that you hear prayers that are prayed from the heart. And God, I thank you that you've heard our prayers today because we pray them in the name of Christ. Look, if you prayed with me just there um, in those few moments, I'd love for you to just send us a note at centeringlives.com or you can leave a comment down below if you're watching us on social media. We'd love to hear from you. And we'd love to help you, as I said before, read the Bible, learn how to pray, maybe make a commitment to Christ. 